I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hello there, and welcome to the 107th episode of the Weave Podcast. This week, I'm talking to Liz Sietzma, the founder of Wild Hand, a supply shop for fiber folks in Philadelphia. I first found out about Liz and her beautiful shop when they started carrying our mallow and duet yarn in their shop, and I'm so happy to have the opportunity to learn today about the story of the beautiful Wild Hand community. Welcome to the podcast, Liz. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Can you start out by introducing yourself and sharing your own personal journey in textiles? Sure. I would be happy to. So I am Liz Seitzma. I'm the owner of Wild Hand, which is a Philadelphia-based supply shop for fiber crafts. Um, I've been a fiber tinker since I was little, um, doing all sorts of crafts, knitting, crochet, uh, weaving, um, anything with fabric and fiber I've played around with. Um, But this has never been something that I studied formally, so this is a totally new career for me in a new industry. I studied fine art and business undergrad, and I have an MBA, and then I worked for a number of years in advertising and then also in the nonprofit sector in nonprofit management. So this is really new for me. Um, I've never worked in a yarn shop. Um, let's see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I guess about, so the shop opened a year from, so April 2019, and about two years ago from now, I had started to think about making a change in my career. Uh, I really loved the work I was doing, um, which was leading a nonprofit that I helped create. And I had been there, this is like eight years. Um, and really, we got to see it grow from from a small nonprofit to a multi-million dollar nonprofit that was helping, um, and I know I can say a little bit more about that later, but was helping other organizations grow their creative practices. Um, and so that was lovely, and I, I really enjoyed the work, but I could tell that my intellectual curiosity for it was waning, um, and it just seemed like it was time for a change, time for a change for the organization to have new leadership, and time for a change for me too, and I had two young kids at home, so one was only six months old, and the other was two and a half, um, and I was starting to feel like I wanted my work to be um, more hyper local. So meaning no commute and also being more engaged in our neighborhood. Um, and so I was thinking about how I could do that. And, um, also whenever I sort of thought what would be something that I could do or would like to do with my career, that's really different than what I've been doing, but would be more aligned with my personal interests. I was finding it harder to find time to, explore in a deeper, more thoughtful way most of my personal interests, which were all seemed to center around fiber and fiber crafts. Hmm. Um, as I had kids, you know, it gets busy and my work um, at CultureWorks is, um, is a pretty big role and it was um, demanding. I always worked full time since having kids. Um, so I, I was trying to figure out how to line those things up a little bit better so that the way I spend my days and make a living is... Um, also filling that need and desire and intellectual curiosity for um, fiber, for yarn, for things that use yarn and thread and string and tools and equipment. Um, 
So, yeah, so I decided to put my business background to use, and I wrote a business plan quickly. Um, some things were happening at CultureWorks where there were going to be some shifts, and I felt like there was an opportunity for me to um, thoughtfully transition out at that moment. So I that kind of lit the fire to write a plan and figure out if our family could take the risk um, at that time for me to leave leave work and start this. Um, and I also started just really ramping up my own journey of learning more about fiber during that time. And in the midst of that, a space came available three blocks from my house. And we have like a few commercial corridors in the neighborhood. Um, and there's a little one called Mount Airy Village here. Um, and it's just not a lot of spaces right here. Not a lot of them become available. And so that felt like an interesting opportunity and time. Um, and I had a pretty lovely meeting with the landlord on like a perfect Saturday here at the coffee shop next door. And someone, actually Jocelyn, who runs Owol, um, lived in the neighborhood before um, she moved to New Jersey. And I had met with her about carrying her yarn. And I had only met her once prior to that. And she happened to walk into the coffee shop and say all these lovely things about the shop that I was envisioning at that moment to my prospective landlord and I'm sure that that's why he gave me the lease. I think, you know, he didn't know much about the industry um, and he also came from the nonprofit sector and so I feel like we had a good connection because it was a sought after space. There were a lot of people interested in being located here. So I felt really lucky that all these little things kept happening where it just felt like the universe was nudging along this idea and trying to encourage it to become real. Um, and so I signed a lease and spent about six months developing, learning. I'm still learning. Hopefully I'm always be learning, learning. Um, learning what I felt I needed to know to get going um, with the shop and visiting all the fiber festivals, um, meeting with people who make yarn or sell yarn, um, talking to teaching artists, and then building out. There's a lot of renovation we did on the space, um, so managing that. And yeah, getting the space open. So that's kind of been, and all along, you know, during that time, I actually was making a lot less. I was really focused on trying to build some skills and techniques um, that I was concerned might not be, that I might be lacking in in order to have the space and feel good being in the space and being able to give advice and so on. Um, but I've been really transparent about that too with anyone that I work with, that I'm really on a learning curve with all of this, with running a yarn shop and then also just with my skill set so um and i've learned a lot in this year but i lean on our team um, and other places too i'm not afraid to say i don't know something if someone comes in um, that was one of the biggest things i was concerned with was my level of expertise um, and i also through this realized i actually have more than i thought <laughs> i had um, that i am able to be helpful uh, but we carry supplies for a lot of different fiber crafts, so it's, I am not an expert in every craft that we carry supplies for, but I wanted to be able to carry all of those supplies. So, yeah, so that's kind of where we got, how we got here. Um, it was, it's been really f a great first year, truly, yeah. Wow, there's so many things that came up from that that I want to ask you about. I think my first question is, how did you go about thinking how to renovate the physical space and how to 
make your dream space within what I'm sure were budget and other constraints? Yeah, I so it was a space I knew really well because it was the home to um, the nesting house, which now lives down the block in a larger space. They had been here for nine years um, and really launched their business and from here opened locations in other parts of the city, And um, which it's a natural parenting store that also has consignment. So like anyone around here with kids is like, they're ki- like my kids' clothes are all from this store because it's this amazing consignment shop. Um, so I had spent a lot of time in here and I would just come in and it was packed because they really needed a bigger space, which is why they moved down the block to a larger space. I would just come and hang out in the store and um, write, draw, try to visualize the space in a new and different way. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a very, I'm a daydreamer. Um, so there's a lot of like any moments of empty space like driving in the car walking the dog or you know my mind would wander to relaying out furniture and how you know what type of yarn and products would I want and how would it need to look displayed and how did I want it to feel I mean I had a pretty clear idea of wanting a very airy open um, space not tons of product product that moves in and out a lot Um, and like any shop like a table to work at um, space for workshops Um, also space for kids I I really wanted this to be a place where parents um, feel like they can spend some time and pick their yarn and their kids um, we have like a kids nook in the shop that's an under the stairwell kind of closet which is cool Um, and also just how I display things and make it a place where parents don't feel like they have to tell their kids every two seconds don't touch that um so yeah so with the visioning and i mean really just plan in terms of planning out um i had a budget things went a little over budget but i i had planned for that to happen because it always happens um i had negotiated the rent um with the landlord assuming that i would make some build out decisions there wasn't like physical build out but it needed a new floor and it needed like wall cleanup primarily I did some other things like an Ikea sink in the bathroom and you know paint and so on but um, he uh, was generous enough to start the rent lower and we're ramping up over five years to what he had originally asked for so he was really generous in that and he he had been very generous with um, with the tenants that were here before, and even the ones before them, who I know in the neighborhood, um, really interested in bringing people into the space, into this location that are of the same spirit and community-mindedness um, that a lot of the other businesses in this little commercial corridor represent. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, and I worked with him, um, a, a dad of a friend who's also a dad of. Um, some kids that my kids go to school with. Um, I paid him to help me from a sort of architectural perspective with just some of the planning. And then he did a lot of like smaller um, help with like putting the bathroom together or some other repair work. Um, and my dad built a lot of, we, a lot of our yarn hangs on racks. My dad built a lot of that. Um, yeah, a lot of Ikea and overstock and and it's a work in progress. Like there are things that I, I'm constantly, anyone who knows me knows that I rearrange things all the time. So almost weekly I would rearrange a lot of things about the store, at least where products are. 
And also it's just a testing. I'm tinkering, I'm testing, I'm trying to figure out what, if I put something up front, you know, do people, you know, people will notice that more and they start to buy it and how, you know, what are people, in order for me to figure out what people are interested in, I feel like I need to move things around and give every product its best shot at being sold so I can understand um, how to grow the inventory, um, which is totally new to me. I've never done inventory management. That's like a very new thing and I, I love it. I really love nerding out on data seeing what moves. I look this past year I've looked at every single order that's come through just to see like how people combine products in their cart and it's just I yeah I can get very analytical and I find it interesting um both from a business perspective and from just uh, um what's the right word from a how humans act or interact or create their projects like that sort of perspective too I so resonate with a lot of what you said <laughs> and even the like peeking at all of the orders like it's definitely past the time where that's the right use of my time but mm -hmm. I just still look at every single one because I love seeing what colors people are putting together and how yeah. what fibers and yeah that makes it's me like feel a mix better of the creative and the data that's so fun yeah yes that makes me feel better because I have these moments where I think this is not, I should not be doing, this is just like too much. I'm not in the store when we were open, you know, when it wasn't this COVID time too, I had help during the week. Um, so I wasn't even in all the time, but that also made me curious. Um, yeah. yeah. I resonate. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. So you went into this opening a retail shop in a time when, um, well, you know, obviously this was before COVID, but even then things with retail were changing in, in, in our industry and in fibers and in generally. Um, and I'm curious how you thought about building a business model that was embracing those changes while still yeah. having like a beautiful in-person space. Yeah, it's a good question that I think I'm going to continue to be answering. Um, well, when I started, I thought I would start online and then the space, I should have mentioned that earlier, then the space became available and I kind of shifted um, I did open the online store in the fall, which is nice in terms of what's going on now. Um, but I, there, there's something, there's a lot of magic in this neighborhood and on this corner where the store is. And it's a, it's an amazing community. Um, it's been written about and studied about too, um, mostly related to how um, it's one of the, most well-integrated communities um, in the country. And people are very socially conscious. They're, um, they will go out of their way and wait to buy things locally. And so I knew starting off, um, I mean, I knew that and then I also, just from living here, but I also knew that from conversations with the other local businesses here. And just on this corner, there are three stores. There are only maybe 10 businesses, right? in this commercial corridor spot. And three of them have grown and expanded to other locations, all starting from this corner. Um, and I even I recall the owner of the nesting house mentioning that there's just some magic here. Um, so I, I felt like I could give it a good shot here. It's, it is a neighborhood where just people walking by, even though it's there aren't like 50 businesses on a strip here, just people walking by. Um, there are a lot of people that do fiber crafts. Um, so it felt like 
a good launching pad and a unique spot to be able to start a business like this. Um, knowing all along that, and I still believe that our our growth and our ability to scale is going to come through with the online store um, and and how we like continue to do workshops and expand on the workshops. I rent the basement space, so I have room um, for having inventory in the basement and like there's room to grow where I am um, in a virtual sense. But I, yeah, I've been able to, I think that that was part of it, just the magic of the spot um, in terms of taking the leap into a brick and mortar space. Uh, and then in terms of online, you know, I'm still really learning too. It's been, I launched the site in the fall, um, but I haven't really been able to give it and still haven't been able to give it like the love that it needs. And I see a ton of opportunity there when it comes to um, like online merchandising, how I'm using data. Um, and I, you know, I don't have the capacity to really fully explore all of those, but I have, I'm starting to get a sense of what I'd like to explore and might need help in doing that. Um, but I think, I think there's an opportunity there. Um, I see it certainly see successful models of this elsewhere. Um, and yeah, this, this year's just been like, tinkering and testing when it comes to workshops, products, um, how like our presence in the community, um, other initiatives that we have, just seeing what sticks, what, what, and what makes people want to buy their yarn, their supplies here, spend time here, um, spend money on a mid to higher end product here. Um, we also have a number of schools in the area that teach handcrafts. So I get a lot of families in. We have a very intergenerational customer base. So I have like three generations of a family coming in to pick yarn to be oh, learning together. So and it's really neat. And it happens not, you know, it happens regularly. And then they come to our fiber folk nights, which is our monthly um, version of like a knit night. But you know, we have people doing all different fiber crafts when they come. And we have young people at those nights too. And so I think there's something there um, that resonates. And it is, I do believe, like some of that is just unique or um, more concentrated here in Mount Airy. Um, not that that doesn't exist in other places. I think we just happen to have a lot of it. And also kids who are learning handcrafts at school. Um, the first week we were open, I remember this... Um, uh, a little girl came in who, or she's in fifth grade, and um, had was really quiet and was looking around. And she finally pulled out something she had been working on. She had made, you know, some kind of amazing something for her doll. And then she picked a little ball of yarn, like these tiny hand dyed um, balls of yarn from Haverland, which is a, a dyer in Maryland. Um, and and she got some needles and she quiet, quietly left. And she came back like. A week later and she had knit and crocheted designed knit and crocheted a sweater for her doll in oh. this little ball of yarn and I was like oh my gosh this is so cool and she was just like had her dad bring her in to show us and just quietly so proud of her work and it was amazing she was really talented and she learned nearby it's a part of her um, regular education and like since then she comes in and she'll sit and knit um, and there are lots of other examples of that and just 
feels good. Now I feel like I'm on a tangent from your original question, but it's a beautiful um, tangent. Beautiful tangent. So yeah, I guess the community, you know, at the end of the day, like my, my nonprofit background and my experience and what fills me up is the community engagement and how that's manifested through the shop. Um, and, and what I think is setting a really solid foundation for us to be sustainable is the community surrounding the space. And that started here in Mount Airy with our team, with my staff, with the neighborhood. Um, but now it's expanding. Um, there are people, you know, we're getting orders from all over the world and we're getting people engaging with us online from all over the the world. Um, and so I feel like the ethos is connecting in some way. Um, and I am not responsible for that. That is, that is the community that's formed around us and the people that are engaging with, with us and resharing their projects and um, talking about the space, being present here, representing us out in the, in the universe. So, um, yeah, I think that our sustainability is in that, that sense of community and that people are, people want in their lives. Um, and when you connect fiber with it, um, like at our last fiber folk night, someone remarked, you know, we usually have 20 or 30 people maybe here and like sometimes sitting on the floor room only, which is really cool. Um, maybe not for the person on the floor, maybe, but it's exciting (laughs) to have such a full space, um, that no one in this room full of 30 people is looking at their phone. Everyone is just in conversation, working on their project for three hours. And that felt like something there, like something is, it's, that's fulfilling to a lot of people right now. I have to say, I am honestly getting tears in my eyes thinking and hearing about the way you describe your space. And I think part of it is because it just sounds so beautiful. And part of it is because we're in this time of social distancing and, I can imagine the sadness and pain of missing out on that special space is, is even deeper for you and for your community now. Yeah. And I'm just curious if you want to talk about the ways, yeah, the ways you're finding that community is able to continue anyways. I don't know if you want to talk about it from a business perspective or mm-hmm. like a spiritual, you know, like the spirit of the space and how you're feeling about it, but I'm just curious how you're adapting to this time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I think a lot about like the last, the week before we close a few days before we close, you know, a couple months ago, whenever that was eight weeks ago or something, um, was our last was a fiber folk night and it was really full. And, and it was like right at a moment where we were all not sure I remember feeling nervous making the call to have it because we were running a fundraiser during that also for Fair Districts PA. Um, People were making mittens during that. Like we had a lot going on that night. So we decided to still do it. And I was very anxious going into it because of just the uncertainty. You know, like day to day, you just feel unclear about are you making the right decisions um, about with the information we had available to us at the time. So I'm so happy we still had it because... I'm like holding on to those feelings of, and people who came felt really happy to be in community. I think maybe we all knew that this was going to change. It was like, uh, 
I could feel people like lingering in that space in that moment even there one person came and um she and then her uh her partner brought their newborn because the newborn needed some needed to be nursed um and like just like that really good family intergenerational feeling and people savoring that moment and I think we all knew that maybe this moment wasn't going to happen again for a while and (laughs) um it just felt different that night and so since then I guess I I am so grateful that I have had a a year to build community around Wild Hand because um, it would have been very hard to make sales to cover the basic expenses without that without people being committed to our us existing in the future. Um, so like every single I think about every single interaction this past year with my team with me each of those interactions really matter. Those relationships really matter because those are the people that are still showing up to online to buy, um, still reaching out in different ways. And so I, I feel that, um, I get so many messages on a weekly basis from our neighbors, um, and people in the community who have done a number of different things like buying gift cards, um, buying their gifts for other people through the store. They just want to see us continue. Um, some ways that we've been able to kind of keep things, especially when I think of our like hyper-local community. I haven't run the numbers, but I think a lot of our sales right now are still like very much our hyper-local community. Um, one of uh, Bicycle Transit Systems is based in Philly and the I guess she's the CEO, uh, lives here in the neighborhood. I did not know her before this, but she um, started a service called Block Delivery. So she's repurposing the um, their electric bike transit um, bikes. And so they're, they're offering free local um, up in this co- northwest corner of Philadelphia, um, and I think in a couple other neighborhoods, but for us up in the northwest, um, free local e-bike deliveries. So things like that hmm. where now my customers who are local the first couple of weeks I was doing it by myself and like putting the kids in the car and driving around all over within like four miles for a couple hours a day but I couldn't I couldn't keep doing that and then it also started to feel less there was a moment where I felt like I shouldn't be the one doing this and I shouldn't bring my kids along um so yeah so now they're doing that for free for us I just leave the bags out and anyone in the zip codes right surrounding here usually gets their um, delivery within a day or two. Um, Some other things we've done, I would, we're doing like a yarn bombing on our tree out front and I had done a call for swatches for that that I'll um, wash and sew together and get up soon. And we've had, I've been getting them in the mail. We have a little free fiber library out front, which is currently closed, Um, but the people are putting their swatches in there. And so, that's another way we're kind of going to be able to knit together our, just like feel a bit connected, um, having these swatches from our community together. Um, we'll wrap the tree with that. Um, I have some other ideas I don't have the time to fully realize yet, but I'm hoping that I will. Um, that I think can help too with like feeling more connected um, in this in this moment, especially with our like super local community. But we have right before this happened too, we had opened our little free fiber library, which is like a 
little free library, but for yarn and tools and equipment. Um, and we got a little bit of a buzz about that, which was cool. It was really exciting. It was the first time we got any like press attention for anything. And, um, and it would be emptied by the end of the day, people were putting yarn in, um, we were getting tons of donations. And during that time we had even somebody drove from the shore, maybe two hours away with 10 bins of yarn. So our basement is filled with all this donated yarn. Oh, wow. Um, and, and we also have a program, uh, rehab, uh, 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 residence for women in recovery. That's like three or four blocks away and they do knitting as a part of their program. And so, um, we donate yarn there. Um, but I was thinking now that we're closed and I don't have that free library open, I'd like to create a way for people to send a free library package to someone. Um, hmm. so I'm going to try to get organized to do that. And, um, cause that's starting to become something too. I felt like it allowed us to welcome people into the space in a very fluid, non kind of calling out non-judgmental way who don't want to spend, you know, 25 or $30 on a skein of yarn, which is a lot of yarns that we carry. Um, it just felt like a way too, if someone wanted to learn and didn't, wasn't able to, or didn't want to make the investment, they could just grab yarn from the free library, come in, sit down, sit with us and hang out. And I, that's something I'd like to continue. And I'm like trying to imagine how that looks now not having the space for that or being able to kind of safely distribute distribute yarn through the free library so i'm thinking too yeah about how we could have kind of a mail program where people can gift out um, or for themselves some free yarn um and yeah i think just just like people showing up and buying their supplies through us part of like our core community doing that is keeping things going. Um, and I, I had to lay off all of our team, um, uh, but it's temporary and, um, they understood and they're amazing. They're just absolutely like makes me feel emotional. I just, I miss yeah. them. Yeah. It's weird sitting in this space right now and they have been such a big part of crafting just like creating the culture and energy around wild hand maybe like together we are wild hand with our customers and so again i'm grateful i i got to have a whole year to build momentum and enthusiasm and and that culture and i think that i mean i'm sure that we will be be there on the other side of this um but yeah i get those pangs of it's it's hard to picture when will be physically open again and so yeah yeah i think like you said like the ways i want to keep thinking about the ways that i can continue to make us feel connected um even with the team it's yeah so but i yeah i feel optimistic though it's um and busy and and all that and we're paying our bills and that is great yeah. Do you want to share a little bit about who those people are on your team and yeah. how they came to you? Yeah, sure. All, um, all also the universe just sending me the most amazing work family. I was that was something I was uh, that was the biggest loss in leaving Culture Works was that team. Um, it really was 
felt like a work family and I they and and it was a lovely transition everyone from culture works came to the opening of wild hand and I got to like let my new team meet my previous work team um but I had put I knew from the start that I would need because I have two young kids at home I knew that I would need um help in the shop and I knew I needed to make the business model work with that from the start I'm just not in a place where I can work all week and weekend and cover workshops at night. Um, that's just, that's not, you know, I have, I want to be with my kids and that's also, you know, part of sharing and parenting too. So I, um, uh, I put a call out, I guess I put, well, started, let's see, I went to Vogue Knitting Live in 20, 2019, um, and it was like in January, a few months before the shop was going to open, I was starting to think about like hiring and how to structure that. Um, and again, Jocelyn from Oval, actually, I met her there and kind of walked around with her and she knows a lot of people um, and introduced me, including like a few folks from Philly, um, which is where I first met Yolanda Booker. Um, and she was looking for work. And um, so I got her card. And I hadn't posted a job yet, but I was planning to. Um, I got her card and a couple other folks who are now like regular customers here. Um, and then um, I, I posted the job up through some of the like local guilds and knitting groups. I can't even remember where, like literally on bulletin boards. Um, and I... And now it's so funny. I'm like, how did this come about? But anyway, it doesn't matter where I posted it. So I, um, oh, I had, the other thing I had done is I had um, had a few, I had done a call to have help with making some samples. And um, one of the people, so Yolanda, I met at Vogue. And then, and then when I posted the job, I sent it to her. I was like, we met and do you want, you know, are you still available? Um, and then we had our interview and it was like instantly, a good feeling it just felt right and it felt right when I met her I wouldn't have reached out again if it didn't you know it felt when I met her that just that first impression I felt like this this really good energy um, and she's extremely talented um, has a great great presence in our community um, and really nice one-on-one -on -one with teaching and then so then one of the sample makers the next person um, was um, Teresa Hill, who had made a sample for me. And she lives in Newark, Delaware, which is like over an hour away. Um, sometimes it takes her an hour and a half or even two hours to get here. And she drove up to give me the sample. And the space was empty, had just been renovated. And we were sitting here and just like, uh, I don't know, it was just, I just knew that this was going to be a big person in my life. I just felt like, and she is, she's here the most. Um, she is absolutely the most reliable, hardworking person I've ever met and so talented. She has, um, she also dyes yarn under United, like EWE, United States of Fiber. She's a, she's a veteran and she, she just, yeah, we had an amazing conversation. We were crying and laughing and, by the end of it, I asked her if she wanted to work here. She wasn't, she hadn't applied for the job or anything. I just was like, I, I, I want you to work here. And she wanted to, even though she lives far away and the commute is a lot. Um, but it's, it was how she wanted to spend her time. 
Um, and then, let's see, and then the only person from, so both Yolanda and um, Teresa had never worked in a yarn shop, and I also had never worked in a yarn shop. And then um, Jill, who lives in the neighborhood, I think saw the post through a knitting group. Um, and she just I also, just so thoughtful. Um, I love that she was here in the neighborhood too. Um, she's really embedded in the neighborhood. Um, she has a lot of community here. And so that, that meant a lot to me. Um, and we just, we just connected too. I felt, um, I, f I felt from everyone that I met with too, that, um, I had a lot to learn from each of these individuals. I just, you know, sometimes you just get this feeling like this person's going to be important in, in this time in my life. Um, and so, and I felt that what we could give with Wild Hand was something that would be fulfilling to them too. So that was the, the first three folks that we hired. And then Jessica came, just came through the door, um, just soon after we had opened to sell yarn. She's, she was repping Kate May Fiber Company. She's friends with Vanessa who owns, who's the dyer there. And uh, she came in with her, at that time she was like six months old, her daughter Ariella, um, to talk to me about yarn and show me the yarn. Um, and it was a busy day and I was alone and she just jumped in, helped a customer. She's holding her baby. She's showing me yarn. She just started winding balls for me, just like helped, um, right on the spot. And like her daughter is just absolutely the sweetest. And we had a great conversation and I, you know, decided to carry Kate May. And so she came back a second time, I guess, to show colors again. Same thing happened. It was like, she just jumped in and like helped people. And by the end of that, I was like, do you want a job? You can bring your daughter. Like even just a few hours, I could use another person to help cover some of the shifts. Um, and she said, sure. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so she brings Ariella, who's now, was a year later. So she's going on, I guess, a year and a half. And she has another baby on the way. Um, so, yeah, it was just, all of them just felt like the right connection. And really right away, it felt like that family work feeling. I mean, we all, um, we have great conversations at our team meetings. We talk about difficult subjects. Um, we wrestle with customer interactions. We wrestle with um, uh, issues of race and gender. We together um, think about our policies. Um, we tinker with them. They po we poke at them. Everyone provides input on and, and just each person on the team provides a very different lens for those policies about how we want to be in the space, how we want to be with each other. Um, and things have certainly come up, and I feel like together we've been able to be very um, transparent and um, kind of work through conversations in a way that feels productive and thoughtful and safe. Um, so, yeah, that's the team. They're great, and I miss them. <laughs> I can only imagine. It sounds like you have such a beautiful community there. Yeah, it's really nice. I wish we could talk all day about it. It's making me dream of times when I'm not sitting alone in my house. Yeah. They will exist again, I'm sure. Yes. Yes, indeed. I'm wondering if you can share where online and on social media people can go to follow Wild Hand. Sure. They can go to um, 
The website is wild-hand.com. A hyphen is a dash. I, I feel like I've said hyphen before, and for some reason I think people are used to dash. So wild-hand.com. Um, or the social media is underscore wildhand underscore, and that's Instagram. Hopefully I'll have other social media set up. I, I've never used Facebook myself, and I really need to get on it. So I'm going to try to... Um, try to f- learn how to use Facebook, which I know probably sounds ridiculous at this point in the universe and with having a business, but I just never was using it personally. And as someone who hasn't, yeah, the, um, actually the learning curve feels sort of steep um, at this point to me. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I totally get that. <laughs> Can we close with you sharing um, some parting advice or words of wisdom that you want to share with weavers out there who are sitting alone in their houses right now weaving? Oh yeah, you know what? I was I I have to think about this for a second. Um, yes, I would like to. Hmm. Oh my gosh, this is hard. I guess I think one thing I've learned this year, um, and in my work with Culture Works, is to um, just keep moving through things. So um, I feel like my most productive um, and impactful work has been when um, when something's not working quite right uh, to just keep moving through it, to, to move swiftly through it and not, um, not let it keep me down, not let it discourage me, and not give it too much power or weight or time. Um, so kind of just keep moving through and embracing that s- the spirit of tinkering and testing and um, work in progressing um, that shows up, I think, in creative practice and then also in starting a business and, and being a parent and all of the things. So, yeah, kind of just keep moving through stuff. That's such good advice, I feel like, especially right now. Thank you so much, Liz, for coming on to the podcast and sharing your story. And I can't wait to come visit you when things open back up and see your space. Thanks. Thanks. Me too. I really appreciate it. That's a wrap. To see photos of Liz and her team and their beautiful shop and links to her website and social media, visit www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 107. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com slash episode 107. Next week on the podcast, LaShawn is talking to Anna Meyer. Anna is an artist working in Northern California. She received her BFA in fibers from the Oregon College of Art and Craft and her MFA in sculpture at the University of Miami. Anna is a natural dyer and uses her practice to blur the lines between art and life in order to create work that can make a positive impact on society. Tune in next Monday to hear that story, and until next time, happy weaving!